0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. So it's great to see you. I hope you've had a wonderful weekend. We've already had a good weekend. Um, we had a, a yesterday morning, uh, we sent people all over Indiana County uh, just doing practical good, just helping organizations and ministries and parks and just uh, trying to shine the light of Jesus everywhere we went. And uh, so it was really good. And I have had a great time. There were a lot of people and I appreciate Steph McCoy uh, organizing that and putting that together. And it's just uh, I'm thankful that we are a church that, is, that that we're concerned about our community, that it's not just about us, but we want to build our community and build the kingdom and see God glorified. So I'm grateful for that, and I appreciate your heart for that. So uh, again, thank you for being here today. Um, I love Pastor Dick. I, I, last night, I cracked a joke about him, and... Uh, I thought the crowd was gonna like storm the stage and hurt me for a second, it made me nervous. Uh, But I love him, I appreciate him. Uh, He only does the baby dedication, so he gets to wear a suit once in a while. Uh, That's also one of the reasons I don't ever wanna do baby dedications, so I don't have to wear a suit. Uh, But we're so glad to have the families with us today and the babies that were dedicated, Uh, that's a gift. So thank you guys again for being here. Uh, We're continuing a series today called I Am. We started this back on Easter, And the premise of this series is that uh, we're gonna walk through seven statements Jesus made about himself in the book of John. He made seven I am statements. In John, we're exploring those statements. And the idea of this series is we all think we know what our identity is, but truly our identity can only be found in the identity of Christ. So when we know who Jesus is, it helps us know who we are. It helps us discover who we are at the core, at our essence, when we know who Jesus is. So when we When we know his heart, when we know who he is, it helps me know who I am. So we've talked through uh, Jesus' statements about, I am the resurrection and the life. We've talked through his statements, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last week, we talked about, I am the bread of life, um, which is not to be confused with Taco Bell, so don't forget that. Um, if you weren't here last week, you're like, what in the world? you have to watch the video or listen to the podcast. But tonight, uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, a passage of Scripture from John chapter 8, where he says, I am the light of the world. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn there, please do. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can flip there on your mobile device, or you can watch it on the screens with us. But in John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus says this, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, when we think of walking in darkness, a lot of times we think of like a dark room. You know, you walk in a dark room at night and you flip a light on, right? But when Jesus was talking about darkness, it was a very different Thing than it is today, it was a very different context. Light was harder to come by. It wasn't something that we all had on our phone, we turn on a flashlight, or it wasn't something that, that you carry on a key ring with a little flashlight on there. Um, light is easily found today in our world, but in Jesus' time, uh, light was much more difficult. So when they talked about darkness, they understood that it wasn't just about a dark room that you'd flip a switch on. But many times in in ancient times, they would not travel after dark because it was hard to navigate where they were going. It was hard to see the road. It was hard to see where they're heading. It was easy to get lost because landmarks sometimes kind of look the same in the dark. And there are many times bandits and robbers and thieves that waited in the dark for for weary travelers to be coming down the way. And so it was not smart for people to be traveling in darkness. And so what Jesus is saying here is not simply he's going to illuminate our lives to make it a little more convenient so you can see a little better. What he's saying is he's changing the world of the people that he's entering into. He is the light of the world. So imagine if I told you, hey, I need you To go, um, for those of you that are local, uh, hey, I need you to go to Catanning, but I need you to do it in the dark. And I need you to drive there without headlights, right? You'd be like, I don't think so. There's some windy roads. It's curvy, right? There aren't very many streetlights along the way. And so in Jesus' times, it would have been the equivalent of putting some headlights on a donkey, right? Now, that sounds silly, but it sounds like something a redneck would do, doesn't it? Right now, you're thinking of someone. You're like, oh yeah, my uncle, he would try that, right? Right? But they didn't do that. So as a result, they didn't travel in darkness much. What Jesus is saying is, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He's saying the darkness that prevents you from from getting to your destination is not a worry any longer. The fear that keeps you from getting from point A to point B, it, it doesn't have to hold you there anymore. Because I am the light of the world. I can illuminate the dark places. I can illuminate your life. I can bring light to you. Light was really important to ancient Jews, especially even today. Um, prior to the Sabbath or the Shabbat, uh, in Jewish homes, they would light a candle. So before sundown on Friday, they would light a candle. And then at the end of the Sabbath, they would light a different candle. It was a braided candle, had a different significance and meaning. And so they, they would light that at the, end of, uh, at the end of the Sabbath. During Hanukkah, candles are lit for each day to represent something different. Uh, candles were lit prior to all major Jewish holidays. So that includes Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, and even the one that we're in right now is Passover. It started on the 22nd and goes to the 29th. And it's a major Jewish holiday that's celebrated with light. Light represents so much, not just to uh, ancient Jews and Jews of today, but it represents so much to people in general. Light represents goodness and beauty, joy and life. If you look at it in, in context of the Bible, Light is such a huge positive symbol in the biblical narrative that things like redemption and truth and justice and peace and even life itself are said that they have the characteristic of shining just like light does. And that they also have a factor that they are a revelation of light. Have you ever walked into a dark room and you turned on the light? Maybe it was a room you weren't very familiar with. Maybe it was a hotel room and you turn on the light and you know, okay, You get an idea for the room, right? If you've got a teenage daughter, you understand what that's like, you walk into the room and you turn the light on, it's "Ah!" like, oh my gosh, where did all these clothes come from? Why are they everywhere, right? The clothes are totally undiscernible. Is it dirty or clean or one of the subtle levels in between? We have no idea. They're all piled together. Sometimes you wish you hadn't turned on the light, right? Well, What happens? Well, when the light comes on, there's a revelation, right? You get an idea of what is in the room. You, you get an idea of the characteristics. You get an idea of the condition of the space. And this is what we have to understand. When the light of life, the light of the world comes into us, it shines into our space, it illuminates our lives. And it, it is a revelation. It's a revelation to us about the characteristics of our heart. It should be a revelation to us about the condition of our heart as well. When I was younger, I used to think the closer I got to Jesus, the, the better I was. Does that make sense? So if Jesus was over there and I'm over here, I'd take a step toward Jesus and I'm better. And I'd take a step and I'm, I'm even better, right? And someday I'm gonna be fantastic. And all you people, you guys are in trouble because then I'm gonna be, right? And we think of it as this scale, but this is what I've learned about my relationship with God. As I get closer to the light of Christ, as I, as I take a step closer to him, it's not that I think I'm better, but now I, I realize something because the light of Christ shines into all the dark corners and all the nooks and crannies of my heart and all the dark places that were hidden until that light is shown into my life. All of a sudden, I recognize my own wickedness. I recognize some areas of my life that I go, oh man, I'm still dealing with bitterness? I thought I, thought I had that beat. Okay, oh, okay, God, you, you take that. Okay, oh God, I thought I, thought I was done with pride. Okay, I didn't realize I still had pride. Oh, envy, I'm still doing, oh, right? And this is what happens when take a step, and some of you are like, I don't wanna take a step closer to Christ then. But this is what happens. It reveals something about us. It tells us about the condition of our heart. It tells us about the condition of our lives. And this is what taking a step toward Christ does. The light of the world shines into us, and it's a revelation of our condition. In Leviticus chapter 24, God was giving the, um, the Hebrew people uh, the laws regarding the temple. And he says in verse two of, of Leviticus 24, he says, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp that a light may be kept burning regularly. And what he's talking about is the eternal flame that was in the original temple and it's represented in synagogues around the world today. Um, many times in the synagogues today, it is not run with an oil, uh, oil burning lamp. It's, it's a lot of times it's electric, but it symbolizes this eternal flame that's kept on, that's left on uh, perpetually. And that flame represented the holiness of God, which is only present when God is there. So God was there, and because he was there in that place, his holiness radiated. And so that flame represented God's holiness, and it represented God's presence. I I don't know about you, um, I like to think I'm smarter than criminals. I don't know that I am though, because I do things like, Like, you know, you put the key under the mat. Who's ever thought of that before, right? Like, (laughs) those criminals, they'll never check under the mat, right? Uh, Some of you are like, I know how to get into his house now. Um, So we do things. It's one of the things we do. Sometimes we're going out of town, but I'm going to leave a light on in the house, right? Has anybody else ever done that before? Okay, four of you. The rest of you are liars. You've done that, I know. So you you turn the light on, and why do you do that? So that if a criminal is casing your house, he can go, well, I clearly can't rob that place, the lights are on, somebody's home, right? The light is an indication of presence in the house. Because a light is on, it means somebody might be home. And this was what happened in the temple and in synagogues today. It's It's a representation saying the light is on, so God is here. Now this is the problem. So many people who claim to be Christians don't have light flowing out of their lives. I knew that would hurt a little bit, I'm sorry. So many people claim to be Christ followers, but there is no light in our lives at all. And what that indicates is there's no presence of God in your life. So many Christ followers, people that say they're Christ followers, they they go to church and they don't understand why their lives don't change. It's because church attendance isn't what makes you different. It's the presence of God in your life that makes you different. It's the light that resides in you that makes your life different. Simply trying to keep a light on to fool the robbers in your life, it's it's not fooling anybody. If there's no light present, you have to ask yourself, is God present? If, If your life is consumed with you and what you can get and what you can accumulate, if the relationships in your life are about how they benefit you and how they help you, what they can do for you, you have to ask yourself, is God present? Is there light coming out of my life? And if not, what's the problem? What do I need to do differently? In Psalm chapter 27, verse one, the psalmist says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Has anybody ever been picked on before? Yeah, I have. When I was a sixth grader, I was, I was still a big kid when I was a sixth grader. When I was a sixth grader, I had eighth graders bullying me. And I'm not even exaggerating. They were, some of them were jerks but it was because I was a bigger kid. I wasn't as big as they were. But you know what I wish sometimes? I had an older sister. Sometimes I wish I had an older brother that I could go, hey, get in here, right? Sometimes I wish I had Josh around when I was a a sixth grader. Like, Josh, get him, right? Josh cracking his knuckles, just bonking their heads together like coconuts. (laughs) That's what I wish I had sometimes, right? You want somebody who will defend you, your big brother, your cousin, somebody who will take care of you. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, life is difficult, life is hard. I'm wondering what's gonna happen, but guess what, I don't have anything to be afraid of because the presence of God, the light of the world is here with me. Because God is present, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Because because I've got my big brother, because I've got my heavenly father on my side, there's nothing that the world can do to me or come against me with that I need to be afraid about. Because the light is there, the presence of God is there, it illuminates my path, it takes away my fear. Isaiah chapter two, verse five, in, in the book of Isaiah, the children of Israel were in captivity. And it says this, the, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said this, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And what he's talking about here is the revelation of what's gonna happen in the future. So God had told them, yes, you're in captivity, but don't worry, it's gonna get better. And so what the prophet Isaiah was saying is, hey, you can walk in your current circumstance or your current situation and believe that that is just the way things are gonna be, or you can walk in the promise of what you've got in the future. You can walk in the light. The light is that revelation of what God's going to do. And too many people in this church, in churches around the United States, they walk in darkness because they're walking in what their current circumstance are. They're walking in, my marriage is tough. My marriage is always gonna be tough. It's never gonna be better. God can't possibly help me. They're walking in, this, this darkness of my, my finances are a mess. They're always gonna be a mess. I don't think God is even gonna help me. They're walking in the darkness of um, man, this job, it's never gonna get better. But they can choose to walk in light and say, God, I know you've got a promise for me. I know you've got something better for me. I know you're gonna work in my marriage. And so I choose to walk in light. And so the prophet Isaiah was speaking to the house of Jacob and he was saying, hey, 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 don't, don't just let your current circumstance determine where you're walking, but let the promise f- for your life from God determine how you walk. So walk in light. He goes on in Isaiah 9:2. it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. So many people choose to walk in darkness, but they don't have to. Maybe you're here and you've walked in darkness or you're walking in darkness right now. You're uncertain about the future. You're not walking with Christ. I want you to know you don't have to walk that way anymore. There is a light that can give you hope, that can illuminate your path, that can give you a future. In Isaiah chapter 42 Verse six through seven, this is, uh, this is a great passage. It says this, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Now listen, God is speaking this to the children of Israel, the, the nation of Israel, in spite of their circumstances. They're in bondage, it is not ideal for them to do the things that that God is talking about here, to set the nations free, to be a light to the nations, to set captives free, to, to bring light to people who are in darkness. It is not ideal, right? But God says, I don't care what your circumstances are, I can use you anyway. And there are people in this room that you've made excuses in your life and you said, someday, someday, I'm gonna do something great for God, but man, I've gotta fix me first. Someday, I'll have enough education. Someday, my marriage will be good enough. Someday, my kids will be out of the house. Someday, and we put things off and put things off and put things off. Someday, I'll be graduated from college. Someday. What we have to understand is God doesn't use perfect people. He doesn't wait till all the pieces are perfectly aligned to use you. He uses you when it seems inconvenient. He uses you when you are imperfect. If he only uh, used perfect people, guess what? There would not be any churches in the United States. The summit would not exist. I definitely would not be the pastor because God uses imperfect people. He doesn't wait for everything to be aligned, the planets to be perfectly aligned and for everything to fall into place. He uses us in spite of us. He uses you in spite of the timing. So when the nation of Israel said, whoa, whoa, God, it doesn't seem like the right time. God said, I don't care about the time. You've got to do something. Be a light. He says, listen to this. He says, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. He's saying, I'm bringing light to you, not just for your sake, but for the sake of the nations as well. It's not going to only help you, but it's helping the people around you. So when the light of the world comes into your life, it illuminates you, but it also illuminates your household. It also illuminates your workplace. It also illuminates your school and your classes. It illuminates the world in which we live. The light that Jesus brings is not just for us, but it's for the world as well. It goes on in verse seven to say, to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. It's our calling to release those who are in darkness and in prison, to, to free captives, to see blind eyes open. And he doesn't say it's just for a select. It's just for the Levites or the priests or the pastors. He said, the nation is called this. Do you get that? All the people who were called by God as Israelites at that time, we are grafted into that now though. We're part of this calling. So we're called in spite of our circumstances. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, remember the premise of this is, is from John where he says, I am the light of the world, right? Now, this is what he says in Matthew chapter five. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. That seems contradictory, doesn't it? We'll come back. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the all, all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He says, you are the light of the world. So he, he's gone from saying, I am the light to you are the light. How does he do that? Well, he understands that his light resides in us that we don't generate light. We simply reflect light, that's all we do. The light of Christ comes in us and we reflect it to the world around us. It's not our light, it's the light of Christ. So he says, you are the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, let your light shine before others. Why would we do that? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. When people see the light in us, they don't go, oh, that person is so great. Oh, that Mel, the light. No, no, what we do is redirect people. and go, hey, no, no, you know what? I'm not good. I'm messed up. I'm flawed. I'm a mess. Let's be honest, aren't we all kind of a mess? Don't we all have a little bit of baggage at least? We all do. So we can't accept that praise because we're not light. So we go, no, 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 you know what? Man, our God is good. It's, it is God living in me. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's not me, it's God. What happens? That glory, that, that praise, it terminates with our Heavenly Father. That's what God wants us to do. That's how God does this. Yesterday, I said earlier, we sent people all over our city for a reach. And I really believe the ministries we helped and served and the people we partnered with, I, I, I'm positive that they looked and said, man, that summit, we like the summit. Man, Steph McCoy, man, whoever the site leader was, that, that's great, but at the end of the day, they know in their hearts there's something different about this place. And it's not that we're nice, it's not that we're good, it's not that we're moral, it's that the light of the world is present here. and The light of the world is present here, in me and in you, and that's what makes the difference. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to do something different. Does that make you nervous when I say that? It should. I want you to pull out your cell phones, no matter what you got. Maybe you got old school flip phone. I don't know what you got. Pull it out, hold it up real high. If you got a cell phone, pull it out. Most of you have had your cell phone out the whole service anyway, I know. Don't worry. <laughs> you, I know, you've been taking notes, right? notes, I've been taking notes on your scripture. Okay, so everybody got your cell phone out. This is what I would like you to do now. I want you to, to you can either, um, turn the brightness on your screen up, or you can turn your flashlight on. Go ahead and kill the lights, Carly. We're gonna kill the lights. And I don't want you walking around, but I want everybody in the place to turn your screen on bright or to turn your flashlight on if you got one, and I want you to do it. Hold it up. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now now keep it just for a second. Do you feel like we're at a Led Zeppelin concert a little bit? <laughs> Now look at this, just look around this place. One light does not do anything. It does not illuminate a room. It does not not drive darkness out. But when light is combined from mine and you and everybody in this place, it illuminates a room. yeah, it's not as dark as, um, as light as it normally is, but there is enough light that there's nothing to be concerned about. We can see what's going on in this place. And this is what happens when we come together, when our lights so shine before men. They see our good works and they give glory to our Father in heaven. Now, keep your cell phone out just for a moment. Let me read this passage to you. It was the same passage I read in Isaiah, but I wanna read it again in the message. It says, I am God, I have called you to live right and well. I've taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I've set you among my people to bind them to me. So he has set us among people to bind them to him listen to this, and provide you as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start at bringing people into the open, into light, opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners from dungeons, emptying, emptying the dark places. This is what God has called us to do. Because Jesus is the light of the world, our identity is something. What are we? Because Jesus is the light of the world, we are called no matter what your background is, no matter what your failures have been, no matter what you've done or haven't done, I want you to know something today. You are called. You have a responsibility as a Christian, not just to make it to heaven, but you have a responsibility as a Christian to be a light in your world, to release prisoners from darkness, to release prisoners from dungeons, to open blind eyes. It is your responsibility because you are called. We've got a big job to do. There are tens of thousands of people in Anita County that don't know Jesus. And it's our responsibility to make a difference, to be a light and to spread the light of the world into dark places. That's what we're asking you to do today. Be a light in darkness. You can turn off your phones. Let's pray together. God, I love you so much and I'm so grateful that you don't just call us to be good or to make it to heaven, but God, you call us to be a light in darkness. So God, I'm asking today, you would awaken that within us. You would help us realize that our calling is not just to go to heaven, but God, our calling is to take people with us, to spread your light everywhere we go. And God, I pray for those right here in this place that maybe are walking in darkness. God, I pray that you would soften their hearts and help them respond in a way that's gonna bring glory to you. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask you today, if you're here and you say, Mel. I'm that person you described. I'm walking in darkness. I'm not walking with Jesus, but I want to. I wanna make him Lord of my life. I wanna know him. I wanna begin a relationship with him today. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and let me pray with you where you are. So if you're here today and you say, pray for me, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. Raise your hand real high where I can see it. Yeah, thank you. A couple of hands over here on my right. You can put your hands down. Thank you guys. Praise God. Who else says that's me? Thank you on my far right. Awesome. Thank you up in the balcony. Who else? Thank you, a couple hands on my left, praise God. That's awesome, you can put your hand down. Up in the balcony in the back, thank you, ma'am. Praise Jesus. Who else, just a few more seconds. You say, "I'm, I'm tired of walking in darkness, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you, over here on my left, awesome. You can put your hand down, buddy. Praise the Lord. This is what I wanna do, I want every person in this church to repeat this prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not, I just want you to repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me and thank you for illuminating my darkness. I choose to walk in light for the rest of my life. I'm never going back to my old ways or my old life. I am yours. Take my life and use it for your glory. Help me be a light everywhere I go so that people will know you. Thank you for loving me. I love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, come on, let's celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, those of you that raised your hand today, a couple things you can do. Stop by the info center following the service today. Let them know they're gonna get you signed up for Starting Point, it's a group led by Pastor Dick Motzing. It's for people that are new to their faith, that are trying to grow in their faith, people that are restarting their faith. So we want you to be a part of that. It's Wednesday nights at seven. You can also sign up for our next baptisms. Those are coming up in June. We want you to be a part of that. This is what's gonna happen right now. Our worship is gonna lead us in one more song. They're gonna, as they do, our prayer team's available. If you need prayer today for any reason, I want you to step out from your seats as they're leading. And then in just a moment, Steph is going to come and dismiss us. So if you need prayer today, come find one of our prayer team members. We want to pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. That's what we're here for. So stand your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together. I promise they'll bring the house lights back up in just a moment. But I want you to take just a moment and reflect on what God maybe is speaking to you during the course of this worship experience today. Ask God, what would you have me do with this? How would you have me move forward from this? What are you speaking to me? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. If you need prayer, find one of our prayer team members. We want to pray with you about whatever's going on. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Guys, I tell you this every week, but I want to remind you, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.